C'è qualcuno là fuori? C'è qualcuno là fuori? Benvenuti al Christian Podcast. All right, my friends, welcome to the future. My name is Beto Gudino with another episode of Christian Podcast, the last radio on earth right after the apocalypse. So, on today's episode, we have a legend with us. A legend, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about her, but I'm excited because this is my second ever in-person episode, and it's a, it's a whole different thing than than being on a zoom call um i love the zoom calls and i love chatting with people around the world but this this has i mean this this is analog right so i enjoy this so much so kelly kelly is the founder of the graceful warrior project and we're going to talk about what that is what she does um her dreams her passions and how she got there so if you're ready brace yourselves Because this is going to be amazing. All right. Kelly, how are you this morning? I'm very good. Thank you for um, that introduction. I don't know that I'm a legend, but thank you for saying that. Yeah. This is what people feel like all the time, that they're not legends. But this is, this is the reality. When you step into your calling and into the, you know, the, the dreams that God has for you, Maybe you don't know it, but you're actually walking towards hmm. the future that, that God had for you. And I feel like that's why I say that I come from the future. Because I feel like if I'm in the future already, then we're already legends, right? Mm. And I feel like that's, I mean, <laughs> I'm not going to preach. But I feel like that's a little bit of what God means when he says, you know, I call you kings and queens. Mm-hmm. right? Because he sees the final picture. Amen. Right? Yeah. So, Kelly... Uh, tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do. Um, okay, so yeah, my name's Kelly Kelly. Um, I grew up in Orange County and I uh, always, always dreamed of being a missionary. Um, and I had... Um, Yeah, a bit of a rough go growing up and um, experienced a lot of loss and trauma. And um, so there was a period where, um, you know, a particularly hard event happened. My mom was killed when I was 17. And so after that, I walked away from God for a little bit. And um, I felt like God was always always chasing me down and finally at some point I turn towards him and usually it's when you are at your lowest and you say whoa you know God if you show up right now I promise you know and and it wasn't that I turned around and said and and saw okay God you came through for me but it was like in the in the healing process that I allowed him to take care of me and to walk me into healing that um, he became my best friend again. And um, life is so much better, obviously, with him. And 
um, he set me free to, to step into the calling that he put in my heart when I was so young, um, to be a missionary. And, um, like a lot of things, I had to learn patience in that. Um, I really had to pray that door open, um, be, for a lot of reasons, God was really maturing me in that waiting season so that I could um, carry the weight of where I was going. Um, and another reason was I was I I had experienced various forms of abuse growing up, and so I knew okay, well wherever God sends me, I don't know what it will be like. So. I want to I want to learn different ways to protect myself. So I started boxing and ju- I mean just cuz it was there it was all I found and and it was at that point when I started boxing that it was I was realizing oh I'm not weak, you know, I'm actually quite strong. And then I got into jujitsu and um and it was just about 2 years where i was just training every day every day every day and praying and like crying out to god not knowing what he was doing i thought i was just passing time but god was building me in that time training me so that when the door opened to move to the democratic republic of congo the eastern side which is a war zone and also the rape capital of the world one of the most dangerous places in the world I was moving to um, and they were going to ask me to teach the women self-defense that I was by no means an expert but I had something to give something to share and when you're a missionary you wear a lot of hats you do a lot of things Um, and one of the things that I did was teach self-defense so um, that's where it started as a missionary in Congo. Wow. So you moved to, to Congo as a missionary. Mm-hmm. That's why you went there? Yes. Wow. And when you said, you know, boxing is what was available, I mean, that that's a little interesting statement because you would think, you know, I don't know, karate or whatever else, but really boxing? I mean, when you look at the options, you're like, oh, this, what caught your attention about this, um, is it a martial art or what is yeah. it? Self-defense? Yeah. Um, it is, I think, I mean, and, and I am, would be happily challenged on this by people who know much more about this than I do. But I would think that boxing is more of an offensive sport rather than defensive. But mm. um, but definitely knowing how to protect yourself from punches and, and be able to kind of give a little something back while you try to disengage and go away, um, could be still fall under the defensive category. Um, but so one of the nicknames that, um, one of the people that raised me, he would call my brothers and I weak and worthless. That's a nickname he would give us. So when you call someone over and over and over, um, something they I mean you see that all the time in the Bible right you know Mm -hmm. like God's God's saying like I'm going to rename you because that is not who I know who you are you know um and and he says like call things out of people and call things like into existence that aren't even there yet so he knows the power of words so when you say something to someone over and over and over they're going to like 
think that's who they are they're going to move towards that and so when I picked up boxing even my coach he was like wow you hit like a truck and I thought Mm -hmm. whoa I I'm not weak you know um I can do I can and you feel when you box or when you do other martial arts you begin to familiarize yourself with your body how it works um, its strengths, its weaknesses, how to build on those things, the power that you carry within yourself. It can be extremely healing for someone who's been through abuse or um, has been attacked in some way, whether that's emotionally, physically, sexually, verbally, whatever it is. When you begin to feel that like fire rise up inside of you saying I'm capable I can do this um it's very transformative so I started with boxing and then moved towards jujitsu um and that's more of a ground game even though it does uh have um like stand up in there as well but that's really powerful to learn because especially as a female if you ever end up on the ground that's a very vulnerable position Mm -hmm. so to be very comfortable on the ground and to feel like oh no I feel strong on the ground that's a game changer especially I think a lot of women you know you walk around wondering well what could happen to me just walking down the street but eight out of ten rapes are known as acquaintance rapes. Um, They're not by strangers. They're by people that you know. There are people in your class, in your family, at your job, um, the person you know at the grocery store. So whether it's a stranger or someone you know, there's always this feeling of, well, what would I do if that happened? And what would I do if that happened? And Mm -hmm. sexual abuse and and assaults are so common for women. You can pick a ton of women just out of your day and there's a huge chance that they have experienced sexual assault in some way or multiple ways throughout their life. So um, that has a way of like eroding your Mm self-confidence and um, really putting fear in you thinking, what would I do if this happened? What would I do if that happened? So, um, I think, especially teaching girls from a very young age, self-defense in a non-threatening way. I like to make it really fun um, to feel like, oh, you're empowered. You can do it. So they don't feel like I should always be looking out. It's like, no, just be aware. Be confident. You can do it. I think learning that from a really young age instills a lot of confidence and self-worth because you have to have a sense of self-worth to know that you're protecting something of value. So... I think it's good to start young, but you can start at any age. Mm-hmm. Wow, so that's so interesting. I, I come from Mexico, so I'm, I'm somewhat familiar with. Um, well, it's known, you know, that for example, in Mexico, there's some a bus, a route, that goes in the morning. This was very typical in in my city. It's like if you're a woman, don't get on that bus yeah. ever. You yeah. know, and even in Mexico City, there's. There's trains that are only for women. Mm-hmm. There's trains that are only for men. Oh, wow. And it's like, if a man gets into the wrong train, they will kick him out. Good. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's am- I didn't know that. That's mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah, that's in Mexico City. And Mexico City, it's, a, I mean, the largest, it was the largest city in the world. I don't know if it still holds that title, but it's a massive city. And um, 
I can see there's a lot of that, but so coming back to your story and going to Congo, the, the number one capital or the rape capital of the world, is mm -hmm. that what you said? Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I, I can even picture what, what that would be like, Yeah. You know? but what did you experience when you get to Congo? Um, no, I, I don't know if it was something you experienced or the, the stats, like what was your experience as you go into this country? That's called the rape capital. Yeah. Um, I Well, first of all, and I love that this is a Christian podcast so that we can really dive into the like spiritual realm of it. There's a lot of spiritual warfare in Congo. There's a lot of spiritual warfare everywhere, um, just in different forms. Um, but there, it's... Uh, There's such a spirit of, like, violence mm. and oppression and rape. Like, you, because I always fly into Rwanda, and then you drive through the jungle to the border and walk across the border into Congo. And it's like you walk into a completely different world. Um, and you can just see these people have been absolutely worn That like think about your most exhausting day. You know, you're you've got the kids and you've got your job and you you're trying to do things for yourself for other people and you just are pulled in a thousand different directions. By the time you get home at night, you're like, nobody talked to me. I'm so exhausted. Like just imagine living in, and both for men and women, you know, a war zone. They've been in a war for over 20 years where there's rebel armies all around in these villages that rise up because they're like, well, we're tired of being afraid of these other rebel armies, so we'll create our own. But then they do the exact same thing that the other rebel armies are doing. They're going into villages and chopping people up with machetes. They're shooting people and whole families at point blank range. They're raping the women and setting their houses on fire. I mean, it's just absolute terror and so that's going on all around you and not knowing what's going to happen and then the the president there's so much corruption there the um military and the police force so much corruption there you don't know who's good and who's not and then you've got a lot of just like civilian issues and um and then you have tons of rape poverty so much poverty disease Um, people are living in just the most insane, insane situations. Um, they're sleeping side by side on lava rock floors, um, just like back to back. And um, in, in a place that's half the size of this room. And so it just becomes really, really um, heart-wrenching to watch them live like that. And so you could just see it in their faces. They're all... They're always so um, just like they're just trying to make it through the day. So I found myself, especially being um, a white female from a different country, I stuck out like a sore thumb there. And I'm more of an introvert. I love being with people, but I don't like always having the attention you know on me and so I walk out the door and everybody's staring at me no matter where I go if I get in a car accident because I would drive there if I got in a car accident even if it was not my fault they could pull me out of the car and um, perform like popular justice 
um, and try to kill me, even if it wasn't my fault. So you're always on edge. And so when I came home, I realized, and I was just coming home for a break. How long were you there for? Seven months. So the UN is they're like highly encouraged to leave every two months to take a break for their health. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know that. So as a missionary, I didn't budget for that or plan for it. So I was there for seven months. And by the end, just emotionally and physically, I was ready to snap. Um, And I came home and I found out I was very sick. I had a lot of parasites, candida, ringworm, and then adrenal fatigue to a point where like I used to train three to six hours a day, sometimes two to six hours a day training before I left. And I couldn't eat, I could barely get out of bed when I got back. And um, just because when you're in constant stress, your adrenaline is constantly pumping, your adrenal glands are like, we can't do this anymore. So I came home and I felt like God was saying to me, I'm not going to send you back until you rest. So I did for like a year. And in that time, that's when God was speaking to me. It's not just Congo, Kelly. It's everywhere. And um, so the long and short of the story is he had me create a nonprofit for girls where instead of me going and teaching girls um, like one-off sessions, two hours of self-defense, I go into countries and God just really shows up. I get invited into these countries and they take me around to churches and schools and all that stuff. And um, God provides a woman and she um, has the same heart. Um, we really share the same values. She's maybe completely poor financially, doesn't have much, but she is taking all these girls in and trying to help. And so we partner together and I teach her everything. And then she has groups around her that meet weekly. And it's not just physical self-defense, but we have four pillars of self-defense now. It's um, spiritual. So we want them to know who God created them to be, that even if they live in a culture that tells them, you know, um, you're second class as a woman, you don't have a right to go to school, you have no say in who you get to marry, Um, even if that's what she lives in, we want her to know what God thinks of her first and foremost, um, and that he made her with purpose, whether that's to be an astronaut or a housewife, whatever it is, he made her with purpose and value to be loved and treated well and protected and taken care of. So that's spiritual self-defense and physical self-defense. And then we have economical. We build them up to um, be able to financially support not only themselves, but their graceful warrior groups as well as they continue to create leaders underneath them in their own way that respects their culture and provides like unity and healing, encourages that. Um, And then intellectually, sometimes um, by sending a girl to school, it keeps her from... Um, being forced into marriages or female genital mutilation in in some cultures. Um, So sending her to school becomes a form of self-defense. And and by providing them economic stability, they can send their own girls to school. So it becomes a holistic approach to empowering girls and keeping them safe. Yeah, I love holistic approaches to, to missions. And I think, you know, one of my questions was, what does it mean, you know, the, the spiritual, the physical and intellectual self-defense? So I'm glad you 
thing. Mention yeah. that. And here I am, like this guy in Costa Mesa, right? Like I've been here 15 years, haven't been even out of the country. And if what you're saying right now, the Graceful Warrior Project, if that's not legend, oh. I don't know what is. Because, <laughs> I mean, you. you are you're up there in the forefront of this. I mean, you're saying in, in a country that's there's war, there's like all this stuff going on. I mean, I'm here. I'm safe. Like, I'm not doing any of these things. And this woman had been uh, facing just hardships that we can, I, I can't even imagine. You know, so yeah. I, I commend you first for your courage to first to be a missionary and uh, and to step into your calling. You know, I feel like, um, I mean, what a great, great position you're in to train women to, in a sense, I don't know if the word is standing up for themselves, but like adding value holistically yeah. Yeah. to who they are, right? Like yeah. spiritual, intellectual, um, physical. And I saw this other one that... Um, it's, it's not quite in the statement or, you know, these goals that you have, but um, I saw it mentioned in the website. Let me look at it because it says, um, what did it say? Like verbal? What is verbal self-defense? Like how, how is that translating to, yeah. into actual like practical yeah, that's a really good question. Okay, so for our physical self-defense, we have different layers uh, because we physical is is the the end game. We don't want to have to get there because in all reality, um, women are smaller and weaker than men usually. Uh, not every single person matched up. There are people, guys that I'm bigger than, um, but normally it's men are going to be bigger and stronger. And if a man is attacking a woman or this, honestly, this goes for women to women. Also, if someone's attacking you, it's because they feel confident that they can overpower you. So we don't want it to get into a physical altercation. We want to keep it from getting there. Um, so we have a few layers. First is proactive, which is going, well, the first thing we do whenever we meet with the girls is we have affirmations. So we set our, we set like an affirmation for self. I was made to be loved. I was made to be cherished. I was made to be protected. And I was made to give that back out. Um, and we have them realize what their boundaries are. So a lot of times, especially if you were abused as a child, you don't know where your boundaries are. So we just have them say, this is mine, this is mine, this is mine, this is mine. And we go throughout their whole body and we're just like conditioning them to realize, okay, no one's allowed to touch me without my permission. A man on the bus, if he does this, he's not allowed to touch me, you know? So, um, which a lot of times she might know that, oh, I don't like that that's there, but I don't know how to stand up for myself. So mm -hmm. I, we first want her to know that's not okay. This belongs to you. Second is proactive. How do you, how do you, proactive self-defense, like understanding who is, who is a safe person, what are safe situations, and who are unsafe people, 
what are unsafe situations and how to identify those, sometimes it can be really hard if the unsafe people in your life have been there for a very long time mm-hmm. and you've been conditioned mm-hmm. to think that's normal. So it can be really hard. So I say the easiest way to know if someone is safe for you is just check in with yourself, especially when we're, we work with young girls. I've worked with little girls all the way to like blind old women in the middle of Africa, you know? So this is for everyone. And this goes for men too. Ask yourself inside, how does this uh, person make me feel? How do I feel when I walk away from hanging out with them? You know, do I feel good about myself? Do I feel like that was fun? I can't wait to do it again. Or do I always feel like, man, I feel stupid after I hang out with them. I feel lazy. I feel this or that, you know? So you want to be around people that encourage you, that lift you up. Sure. They can, they can, you know, help like there's such thing as healthy criticism, like healthy, like building someone up in a way that might be tough love, saying things that you might not want to hear, but in a loving, healthy way, there's that, but not like abuse or pulling, pulling you down. Um, so that's proactive self-defense and how it looks practically in situations is like, um, say I didn't feel comfortable with you here. Say I walked in and you just made me feel very uncomfortable for some reason. You have that instinct that is very likely your intuition, also the Holy Spirit telling you, this isn't good, you know? So if I walk in here and I just feel something in me saying like, there's, I don't want to be alone with you. Mm. And you were telling me, oh, my wife's coming soon. Even if you tell me my wife's coming soon, well, that gives me reassurance. You have a wife and she's coming soon. But even still, I might say, you know what? Um, let's wait till she gets here. It would just make mm. me feel more comfortable. Now, I have no problem saying that because I've just been practicing for so long doing this kind of thing. Um it doesn't bother me if you feel uncomfortable. I would rather you feel uncomfortable than me feel uncomfortable wow. as someone who is more vulnerable <clears throat> than you are. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, or like if I'm... Well, walk- no, in this case, I'm the vulnerable because you can no. kick my <laughs> No, <butt>. no, <laughs> no. <laughs> but you, do you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. or if you're sitting on a bus... And yeah. someone sits next to you that you don't like, that makes you feel really uncomfortable. Yeah. Please feel no shame to say, oh, excuse me, and get up and go sit somewhere else. It is better for you to be safe and to listen to your intuition. Mm-hmm. You you are your top priority. Keep you safe. It is better to make that person feel a little uncomfortable and for you to maybe feel a little embarrassed mm-hmm. and sit somewhere else on the bus than to sit there the whole time feeling so vulnerable and afraid for 45 minutes on a bus wondering and he's maybe looking at you weird or doing certain things and your heart's racing just get up and so but don't beat yourself up if Mm -hmm. it sometimes i'm not always good at it sometimes i can revert back to feeling weak and powerless like when i was a little girl so But so don't have so much grace for yourself and say, okay, I didn't do it that time, but I'm going to try really hard next time. 
So that's proactive self-defense. And and there's so many different scenarios you could bring up. And how would you role play? You could role play, do you have daughters? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can role play at home. Okay, girls, maybe you're in class and a boy does this on the playground. You're You're safe right here. What would you like to do if you pretended I was him or maybe I'm your teacher at school? Or maybe I'm your friend's older brother. I'm over at your house. What would you like to do in that situation knowing you're safe right now? So you're helping them build that muscle of learning how to discern what's a healthy environment and what to do when they feel uncomfortable or unsafe. And then verbal self-defense is learning how to speak up for themselves in the moment and afterward. So in the moment, it would look like what I said to you, uh, if I came in and felt uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. Hey, um, you know, I'm just going to go sit in my car for a little bit and I'm going to wait till your wife gets here. Or it might be like, if something is in the middle of happening, you know, what's interesting. They did a study at a university with college, uh, men and they said, um, have you ever, um, have you ever like committed rape? And they would say, no, no, of course not. But then if they changed the wording mm-hmm. and they said, have you ever um, engaged in unconsensual sex, which is the same thing as rape, mm-hmm. but it's just worded differently. They would say, yeah. So there's a, there is a disconnect in what they're doing and like who they are on the inside. So it's even in the middle of the act saying, um, don't rape me or I don't want this. Stop touching me or, or even just beginning to talk to them and saying, don't you have a mom? Don't you have a sister? My mom did that back in the seventies. She was in, uh, at college and there was a man who was a serial rapist and murderer and he was going to these her dorms on campus and he was raping and killing women and one night she walks into her dorm and he comes from behind her curtain and for 45 minutes he holds her at gunpoint and he's going to rape her and kill her and she starts talking to him and says don't you have a mom don't you have a sister and just starts like calling his humanity back to him Mm -hmm. and he decides he's not going to do it and he jumps off the balcony and runs away and i i think they caught him that night i've always wanted to ask her more about that but i can't because she passed away but um but it just goes to show that verbal is so important but even if you're in a verbally abusive situation you know saying to that person hey, you know, I really don't like the way that you're talking to me. I want to have this conversation with you, but we're not honoring each other right now. And I'm going to to leave um, and let's have this conversation when when we both can calm down. But if this person seems really scary, really violent, um, just try doing anything that will de-escalate the situation, that will bring this person to calm down even if you have to say you're right I'm so sorry um I like I won't do that again whatever it is to calm them down so that they're safe and then start to really figure out should I be around this person 
what do I have to do to make myself safe? Does that mean like moving out or, or what? But in the moment, um, keep yourself safe at all costs. So that's verbal. And if it does get to physical, you've done everything you could, you've tried to be proactive, you've used your verbal skills and it becomes physical. You want to use some physical self-defense to not engage in a fight with someone because you don't want to fight, especially a woman, you don't want to fight a man. That's like the worst possible scenario for you. Um, and you don't want to do things that will aggravate and like create more anger but you have to weigh that situation because if you do fight back you probably are going to really start to get them angrier um but you you need to get away so it's a fine line to walk you don't want to like fight them just to fight them but you do want to um fight for your life to create a window to get away as soon as possible. They interviewed these rapists at a jail um, that were in jail for rape. And um, what I found so interesting is they, two of the things they said is, um, what is, what will, what will keep you, what will make you stop trying to rape this person? Um, and they said, if she makes a lot of noise, hmm. Or if she starts to fight back, because there is, if a lot of women and girls go real silent and quiet, they kind of shut down. It's like a fear reaction. And also, you don't know what to do, you know, and you think, I'm so afraid right now. This person is overpowering me. And maybe they're saying to me, they'll kill me if I make a noise or something like that. But the rapist said in, in jail, they said, if she makes a noise, makes a lot of noise or she starts to fight back um it's like an internal timer goes off in their brain that says oh no someone's going to hear mm. this because if she makes no noise mm -hmm. if she doesn't do anything they have all the time <clears throat> in the world yeah. to do whatever they wanted but if they she starts to fight back and make noise people are going to start to like see that she's making attention to herself mm -hmm. and they're going to try and come and help her. So they'll usually like try, they'll either give up or um, get really frustrated or something. So you're trying to physically um, bring attention to yourself, call for help. You know, if like I'm standing in a bar and a guy in the corner is starting to like harass me uh, and there's a bunch of guys standing over there, I'm not going to say like, I've got this by myself. Uh, I'm going to say, somebody help me. I'm not I'm not a, trying to be a hero or fight this person. I'm going to ask for help, you know. But if I am all alone, I'm going to do everything that I can to protect myself. Wow. That is massive. I mean, there's, there's a... I could almost have so many questions, but I, I want to end on this part. I, I love the name, Graceful Warrior. Thanks. Right, because I, I think it, it is a... It almost sounds paradoxical. Yes. Right? And how can how can you be a warrior but be graceful? But yeah. You know, getting to know you a little bit even here, I feel like uh and this could be I could be totally wrong and forgive me if I'm totally wrong, but I feel like some of the ideals, for example, of feminism, mm -hmm. I feel like I totally see where they come from. You know, hey, there's there's been abuse, there's been like all this anger, but I feel like um not all the time but i feel like some some of the feminists like focus so much on the 
on the revenge side of it, right? right? Then this is graceful warrior, right? So it's like even even before physical things can happen, mm -hmm. you can manage even with your words, yeah. with your attitude. Yeah. You can almost like de-escalate the situation yeah. before it needs to get even physical. So yes. I love that approach. It's like, I, it's, it's totally, uh, I, I, I could almost say, you know, I, I feel like it's, it's God. It's yeah. God moving and. Yeah. Know. Well, can I tell you really quick the, sure. um, a couple of things with what you just said. One is I want to tell you why we named it the Graceful Warrior Project. And the other is um, like how I feel about men and how I hope that the Grace Warrior Project embodies like what we feel about men. Um, so I guess I'll start with that. I think that like God made men and women so beautifully and so like so symbiotically like we need each other and we both provide such beautiful aspects for for the other and sometimes they overlap and and also it can be quite individual you know for each person but we like I never say to like our leaders and and they feel the same way like we don't need men we don't like men you know I think that there's a even a village in Africa where they like uh, created a village just for women and and that breaks my heart for a lot of reasons one is because it means that there was such abuse that they had to take themselves all away to protect themselves um but two it breaks my heart because um that's not god's intention for women and that's not his not only to not be abused but like to live without men because God, I believe that God made men to be like leaders and protectors and providers and all these beautiful qualities to protect women. And in a fallen world, it's been turned against women in a lot of ways. Not everyone, but a lot of times. And so then it, I understand the women, the feminist movement and their revenge and all of that. But I don't believe that that will bring any healing or unity for us I believe it's like you know we have to step into these cultures where a lot of times it's like oh my gosh like this makes me so upset for the women and I get so upset at the men like how could you do this to your wife how could that be okay for you um but if you took these men out of these cultures and raised them in a different way where that it was taught to like value women and treat them well they would be different people so it's about re-education and it's about like helping them see the value in women and helping women see the value in themselves and learning how to like both rise up together as like the way that God intended it to be we don't want to live in a world without men we love men you know but we just need men to and women we all have our stuff you know we just need to start um moving back towards the way where i feel like god intended it where we are serving each other and honoring each other and loving each other the the way that we know how the best way that we know how so that's how we feel about it at the grace warrior project and then the name the grace warrior project um so because I grew up in abuse, Joyce Meyer says this, and it always 
was so true and profound for me. Um, when you grow up in a in abuse, you can have a foundation of shame and you look at the world through a lens of guilt. Um, and so you look at, and I did this, I looked at everything, even imagined offenses, like I would take it on and feel guilt for things all the time. I could not stop feeling guilty. And it just felt like the world was crushing my heart. Like it was so hard to live in because I, I grew up in that mentality. Like even if I was being abused, it was my fault and there was something wrong with me. And so I would prayed for years, God, would you make me a warrior for your grace? Would you make me a warrior for your grace? And so like the world will tell you one thing about yourself. Like it told me, you know, I was weak and worthless. That was a nickname I was given. And I kept praying, God, would you make me a warrior for your grace so that I could understand grace and I can help other people like me understand grace. And you know, the world will say one thing and God will say, that's not who you are. I will tell you who you are. And so one day when I was reading the Bible, after years of praying for that, um, I was reading the Bible and it was about like God naming people and the importance behind that. And I felt like God was tapping me on the shoulder saying, Kelly, look up your name. And I looked up my name and Kelly is Irish for warrior. And mm -hmm. Anne, my middle name is Hebrew for grace. Wow. And I felt like God had, had always knew who I was, yeah. knew the struggles I would face and say, like, this is who I say you are and answered a prayer before I even pray prayed it, you know. <laughs> so it's the Graceful Warrior Project. Wow. I love it. Kelly, um, great story. How can people support it? I mean, is there... Uh, what's the best way to support it and how can they support it? Yeah, Where so do they go? thank you. We are, uh, you can find us on Instagram at the Graceful Warrior Project. Um, also our website, www.thegracefulwarriorproject.com. Um, and if you want to donate and be a part of our team that way, you can, um, any little bit helps. Um, we are trying to start an army of Uh, monthly donors and we have um, God has been so generous in providing those people for us so even if you have $10 to donate per month $5 $30 whatever it is 50 bucks whatever it is like your it's you know the woman in the two pence or whatever it is like mm -hmm. you bring what you have and it is multiplied because we work on sustainability so instead of, instead of sending a girl to school one time with with you know a lump sum we buy a moto taxi so that the profits from that every year will send a girl to school so any money you donate is multiplied over and over and over so um we just want to thank you in advance for for helping us or spreading the word or just praying for us and supporting us so we love you wow so good well there you have it my friends True legend, no. true legend here at the Christian Podcast. Um, this was a great episode. Go check out the show notes at christianpodcast.com. I'll see you guys on the next one. Awesome. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you, Beto. Thank you so much. La speranza è il futuro.
thanks for listening to this episode of Christian Podcast. If you liked this episode, share it with friends and family. Make sure you subscribe and leave a positive review wherever you can. You can also visit christianpodcast.com to learn more about our show. Hasta la vista.